Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Visit 21st Amendment Tavern. Located in a Germantown neighborhood at the corner of Burnett and Shelby. 21st Amendment Tavern has great drinks and amazing food from head chef Andrea Estes. Also at the tavern, the Metal Forge Live is featured with doors at 9 and shows at 10 and just 5 bucks. Head on out to 21st Amendment Tavern. to the Metal Forge. I'm your host, Mark Jackson, and I'm going to be pounding out the best regional metal for you tonight. If you're new to this show, pick up your hammer and get down with some of these featured guests. Got any questions or comments? Send them to MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is the Metal Forge, and I'm your host, Mark Jackson. Holy shit, how the F are you guys? Thank you all for tuning in, as always. Uh, you know, dropping at high noon on Friday. The number of the beast. I don't know. That's not really what it is. It's High noon is pretty cool because, you know, gunslingers and old west towns and shit like that. That's pretty badass. So anyways, on uh, this episode, I have Justin Zick calling in from Zephaniah. He's going to be talking about their upcoming show dates this year, along with, you know, some other cool stuff like... You know, whatever we get into, but uh, definitely the show dates and a new vocalist in the band, which is fucking killer. Before I get into all of that, last week, the album that started everything, in my opinion for sure, dropped 50 years ago. And that was the album Black Sabbath, dropping February 13th, 1970. I can remember the first time I ever heard the album. Of course, you know, I'm not old enough to hear it on a first-run basis when it first came out or anything like that. I, like most people my age, (laughs) kids my age, you know, 40, whatever, uh, most people my age probably heard things like Iron Man and Paranoid and probably Electric Funeral and stuff like that first. I vividly remember hearing those and saying, that's their second album. You know, what's their first? Because I've always been a nut of like seeing, um, like if I saw a sequel to a movie, like the midnight movie type thing, I always wondered what the original was like phantasm. I saw the sequel first and then I had to go to my video store and be like, well, what's the first one like? And rented it and was like blown away. So a friend of mine, you know, introduced me to black Sabbath paranoid and Iron Man and stuff like that and War Pigs, I just remember being blown away by it and getting a copy of the first album. I remember going for my birthday that year and finding it at a, uh, it, it wasn't even, it was the disc jockey record store and it was like $14. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's a CD, of course. But like, I remember getting it and just putting it on and hearing the rain and then the thunder and then that opening chord that Tony Aomi and the band hit and just being completely blown the fuck away immediately by it and what was even better you know as the album progressed I found that like yeah Black Sabbath the song is super cool the wizard is super cool but it's like these other songs to me that make that album so awesome you know things like uh, Behind the Wall of Sleep Sleeping Village and Warning and such that I don't think could ever be recreated by any other band in history, that that was a Black Sabbath thing. And I'm, and it made me a lifelong fan, seeing them live a few times. I might have some issue overall with stuff that they've done, 
like cutting out Bill Ward completely out of their history for for a time. Um, and, you know, all of the stuff with Ozzy's solo career and how they've lied about his sobriety and stuff like that, which I've been extremely vocal about before. And that's another day, another story for another day. But it, it's one of those things that completely blows me away. And still, I'm never tired of that album. It's honestly, it's it's just under 40 minutes. It's an album that, you know, you can put on for a decent drive anywhere. You know, it's always like 30, 30 to 40 minutes anywhere where I go in the car. So I can all, all the time I can throw on their first album and listen to it almost in one sitting on a drive. I hear new things almost all the time with it. And I know it's, you know, it was done on a shoestring budget and it was done super fast in the studio, but like it, it never tires for me. And that's, and that's super cool to have stuff like that. If you've got any albums that way, send them to metalforgeradio at gmail.com. Let me know. I'll mention them on the show and I'll check things out, you know, and I'll, I'll do a review on stuff like that. But yeah, if you have an album that you constantly love to hear and that you never tire of, and it's a that's a complete album listen for you the entire way through. Send it to me, you know. If you don't want to send it to the email, that's cool. Drop it on the Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash radio. So I also do want to thank all of the Patreon subscribers or donors, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Ryan Tomes, Eric from Misanthropic Records is on there. Sean Tyler, Evan Walsh, Mick Warner. You guys are fucking cool. I love you guys. Thank you so much for for everything that you do to help fund the Metal Forge and keep metal alive and flowing through everything. Before we get into the call with uh, Justin from Zephaniah, I'm going to play a song of theirs. And because this is the Metal Forge, this comes off of their album from 2016, and it is the title track. It is Reforged.
The blade of fabled legend is now stronger than it previously was. Unbeatable and magical, the king's sword brought glory back to its wielder, and all those who bore witness to its might and Justin Zick from Zephaniah. Justin, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. I'm happy to be here. All right. And, you know, uh, everybody knows that this is a pre-recorded show, and it's Valentine's Day when we're recording this. So, did you get a, any good Valentines today? Um, You know, after this interview, I have to take my lovely, my lovely lady and partner in life, Trisha Cavender, to a lovely evening of just us. Hanging Aww. out, <laughs> Aww. you know, you, you know great. the you know the metalhead in you is just like I got to do an interview on Valentine's Day and <laughs> and, yeah. and, and 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 be metal and then and then you do the family stuff, which is fine. You know, we all do that. I think. Oh, you know, you kind of you know at this day and age, you kind of do it together anyway. Your family's pretty much involved with what you're doing, so that's great. Absolutely. So Zephaniah is based out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, correct? That is correct. Now tell the listeners out there about Zephaniah. Well, Zephaniah was 
a band that was created back in the early 2000s and then we released one album then broke up for about four years um doing specifically power thrash metal and then within the last five years we got back together and started playing shows again um we've all been involved with several other different bands and we just recently hired a new vocalist which will be um, premiered on the first weekend of March at uh, several shows coming up in that weekend. Awesome. So, yeah. So new blood starting out at the beginning of March. Where is that show? Uh, the first show will be in Lafayette, Indiana, North End Pub. Um, that'll be exciting. That'll be our singer's first show with us. They are definitely excited. We're definitely excited. It's going to be a new, just a new chapter for us. And I think everyone's going to really like this person. It's absolutely phenomenal. When we did auditions, which like this person stood out in the recordings that were sent to us and in the live audition, we couldn't let this person get away. Right. So we're like, we had to, we had to snag, we had to, <laughs> we had to snag them immediately because they were perfect they fit what we wanted and the musicianship is top notch you know logan was you know an amazing vocalist as well and we were you know sad about the decision also happy because you know he's moving to florida to be with his family and absolutely we commend him for that and i would you know he was great to work with and this new vocalist so far has been great to work with and we hope to continue working with them for the rest of our cool career it's always nice to find somebody to round out what you're doing and to find a a member that's like oh my gosh you that you're impressed by and you like to see perform and then play music with that person that that's so awesome and it's you know all of us being you know, really diverse musicians. And, um, you know, we are, we, we do a lot of technical stuff and progressive things in our music that really, uh, push, you know, that really push, you know, the genre, the, what do you call those? The genre bars, you know, the boundary, we're always pushing outside of that. Right. We need someone that's not afraid to do anything and has the range and the just, oh man, I can't even think of the words right now. It's the range of the talent that we need and to the work dynamic. with. Yeah, the dynamic. We need that strong musical dynamic. Yeah, you need and, you need that mix of Bruce Dickinson and Lemmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in the last, like, when we restarted, I was starting to do a lot more backing vocals and I needed someone that we could lock in together, like, with my vocals and their vocals without it being too, you know, they, they obviously have to stand out, but we wanted to make sure it locked in in a live situation. Oh, right. Absolutely. I in my music, I can definitely relate to that as well. So let's get into the nitty gritty here. How does Zephaniah write a song or an album? Well, since we all live in, you know, we're based out of Fort Wayne and only two of us live in Fort Wayne now. Um, we have two in Indy and one in Pittsburgh. So the way we create is Sean and I, Indy and when Cody as well, we all create the riffs and, you know, we each create a song. And then we bring the song to, you know, we do a demo, you know, it's a day and age where you can demo on your laptop and we send it to everyone and everyone makes their critiques. And so that's how we create the song. And then someone's like, hey, listen, I need this layer of shreddy guitars over this. You know, Justin, can you help me write something? Or I'm like, okay. Or Cody, we need some ideas for drums on this particular point. So we all come with a song. And then that song, there's no egos or anything better than anyone. We just kind of take that song and then we create a, a kind of, you know, we just kind of collaborate at that point. So the bones basically say I would create the bones of a song. Everyone would listen and they would say, OK, we're going to move this section here. We're going to add this section here or we're going to add layers of this here going on there. 
You know, I've noticed this is a lot more of a prevalent thing these days, where bands do that. How does that affect playing shows? I mean, do you all get together the day of and practice everything? How does that work? Well, depending on the situation, I've we've done it where, okay, we have, you know, a short tour. Right before the tour, we take a day or two of rehearsals, and then we go out on that tour. And then, say, if we just have a couple one-off shows or in the middle of the writing process, you know, we all take a week weekend and get together either a middle point or fort wayne and we rehearse and we work on things like that and a lot of it's done digitally and online talking with each other via email and other electronic uh applications out there that we've we've used that's interesting is as hell to me because it's just like there are no real boundaries anymore like about a month ago i was speaking with uh chris black from high spirits and he makes music with a guy out of like holland or something like that and it's it's totally cool i've just yeah I'm, it's it's fascinating i guess is to yeah technology is so far advanced that you can be in a band with somebody six thousand miles away and almost do stuff in real time absolutely i've worked with guys in germany and i've you know i've worked on an album with guy david mark pierce in england um, working with monroe thunder you know there's all sorts of people i've worked with that live in different countries and around the nation. It's a very digital age. You know, you don't have to be in the main market of music to be known. You just have to make sure your online presence is well known. Very much. Do you have a favorite song or album that you have written with Zephaniah? Well, we've only written two. And then we're on to our third one right now. Right now we're in the studio. So when Logan left, we were already recording. So our new vocalist has come in and is putting together lyrics and melodies. And, you know, we're also doing the same. But so probably this next album will be my favorite album. <laughs> right, because it's a growing process. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Of course, yeah. With the previous vocalist leaving, did you all completely scrap everything that he was on, or did you just did you do anything like that, or and, and write no. new with it for a new vocalist, or no? We kept the bones and we adapted the new vocalist range to new melodies. So right. at that point in our recording and pre-production process, we had not had a lot of vocals written yet. Probably on maybe two or three songs, it all worked out. But it still was a hard process to get through. I was touring in Europe for four months, and during that process, I had to email and put together auditions when I was in town, when I got back in town. So we, you know, we had four months off out of the studio in between that Logan leaving and me being gone. So pushed us four months behind. Oh, wow. Yeah, but you know, we're back in that process of recording and getting out there again with this new vocalist. Do you all assign working titles to to songs? No, I'm very um usually how I do it is I just say here's the key of the song and this reminds me of a thrash metal song. So it'll be like, okay, this one's called A minor thrash metal. Okay. You know. And um, Sean, on the other hand, he'll create things like, hey, this reminds me of a snake. And he'll call it, call this, okay, this is a snake. Until we decide, okay, when the lyrics come and how it's going to form as, yeah, when the lyrics come in, then we decide. What the name of the song the actually is. The name of the song is, yeah. Right. And that was going to be my, my question was, what was the craziest uh, working title you have ever had for a song? Oh, I don't even know. It's they're not even crazy. I think, you know, I have one called E flat minor power thrash. <laughs> That's not too crazy. No. Because it sounds some, like some of them have been really crazy. People are just like song title three, you know, it's it's not that crazy, it's just how Yeah, how how it how it needs to be identified. Yeah, absolutely. It's just we identify it. So when we have real titles for it, it's gonna be like, Oh, that's the name of that. We're gonna forget. Because, like, what is, what's that song again? Oh, it's that one. And we'll have to go back to the original title just to remember what it is. Right. Been there, done that. <clears throat> or you get the, the the person is like, is that the one that goes dun da dun da dun da dun da dun <laughs> Yeah. That, they really hum a few it. bars of it. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to play the riff. Oh, there it is. <laughs> if you could have written or recorded on an album or a song from somebody else, what would it be? Oh, I'd probably do something from the Cacophony Speed Metal Symphony album. You ever heard of that one? No. So Cacophony, you know who Marty Friedman is, Oh, right? absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and Jason Becker. Okay. 
Yeah, so they back before Marty joined Megadeth, they had a group called uh, Cacophony, which is him and Jason Becker. And Jason Becker joined David Lee Roth's solo band, but got, um, I think it was MS, and he had to give up his whole guitar career. But he's still alive, but he writes music with his eyes. You should look into the Jason Becker story. It's very interesting. He has a DVD thing called Not Dead Yet, and which is it's it's amazing it's very inspiring i am writing him down now jason becker check him out but the album the artist is called cacophony and it's those two guys and it's very analog late 80s but it's just like it took the basic um hard you know guitar you know guitar shredders were everywhere in the 80s but this took guitar shredding to a more dynamic level and then there was two of them which was absolutely amazing but it's so analog and old recording that unless you knew what they were doing and really appreciated it it's just kind of hard to listen to and the vocalist is also very hard to listen to <laughs> oh wow but i i mean i was extremely inspired by this album and i would love to play anything off of it well that's good i mean and that's what it's about it doesn't have to necessarily it's not a question to necessarily have to it doesn't have to be the black album or and justice for all or anything like that it's something that what you said it's inspiring and it's something that speaks to you. Yeah, and, that's and it great. can be. I will definitely look up Cacophony on that and just, just to check it out and see. Yeah, and you can cry a little bit because Marty was 21 and Jason Becker was 17 on that album. You're oh, like, wow. dang. I was like, I don't want to play guitar again. <laughs> well, Marty is crazy anyways. So. Oh, yeah. I, I love his uh, just the way he creates and the way he plays. He's not always and the thing is, he's not always trying to make it too perfect sound. And he plays off the beat like a blues player does. But he also keeps the shred. So it's great. Right. A lot of feel, a lot of good feel in that. What is the allure of music to you? What is the what? The allure to music. The allure to music. For you. Um, I've been playing for over 20 years. I've always been, I've analyzed, I've always been fascinated by harmonies and rhythms, how, you know, how chords are put together, how you can create interesting melodies over different types of chords. You know, a lot of the songs you hear, even the metal, it's like, we get pushed into the same three to four chords a lot. And I've always liked to explore past that. You know, maybe I want to add a 5-4 measure at the end of here just to add some tension. I've just always liked to analyze, like, why does that make that person feel like that? You know, why does this make you angry? Why does it make you sad? Just it's the theory part is fun and the creation of music is also great. And sometimes I just go back, if you listen to a Slayer album and you're like, what were they feeling and you can just feel the teenage angst inside the music. It's great. But it's so many things that you can learn from all sorts of music. And there's more music that makes you want to die inside when you hear it. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what inspires you to write music? I mean, I know that's uh, probably a broad question. There's so many things. I could be sitting in a vehicle and look at a stoplight and have a melody instantly hit me. And I'll know what. And then the next moment... I could be grieving for some somebody and I could just know what to play, you know, or I'm feeling angry or sad. It just comes out of me. Or if someone gives me a topic to write about, I'll, I'll know where to go with it. It's just anything, absolutely anything, like a piece of paper towel or, uh, you know, a, a sunset. Anything can inspire me. By that rationale, do you carry well, i know everybody carries a little recorder around with them with their phone do you take advantage of that and make a like a, a note for it um yeah absolutely i do i'll just record it on my phone real quick and then save it for later and then i'll go back and listen to riffs and i'm like ah that's what that's what fits with that so i'll know where to go from there and then sometimes i don't even do that sometimes I just sit down and the whole song's already written in my head and i just have to put it on paper and outline it, demo it out. I just need to lock in some things. With putting it on paper, are you classically trained? Do you actually uh, write music? Yes, I am classically trained. So the way a lot of the things I create, it's like I make the riff on the instrument. Sometimes I write it on piano first. It just depends on where I'm going. But yeah, I do. Also, I'm a, I transcribe music as it's part of my profession. And so I, I probably have over like 300 transcriptions I've done for clients. So actually, right, I have music software that I can create everything. I can put the whole, I'm like, oh man, I would love to have a horn section here. So I'll create a horn section 
or I'm going to create a full orchestra right here for this particular part. You know, it's, I have that knowledge that we can put stuff together like that or vocal harmonies. I'm like, okay, here's the main melody. I'm going to add an answer call or a call response or add three part harmony right here. Do you also just do that to see what it would be like? Just assuming here, you would probably try to make that come to in, come to fruition where you could put that stuff in there. But is there ever the possibility that you, you would write that and then not use it? Yeah. It just depends on the sex. Sometimes it's just, uh, experimentation sometimes i've you're in the studio and you hear something and you're like okay i've got to do that right now because that fits better than what i would want to do and you just end up changing a couple notes and then you fix a couple things um currently working on a, a solo album and you know i've been doing some vocals with it and i've changed some vocal harmonies completely out just because it didn't fit what I was hearing in the beginning. You know, it's and it's the same thing that's happening when we get our new vocalist in the studio. You know, I'll hear things that I heard earlier that might not fit because maybe there's too much going on and it's not really helping the advancement of the song or the emotion of the song. That's really the word I was looking for. That's super cool to me because it's just like, you know, it takes a very real world approach to it, you know. It's, you have to. It's And no matter how much musical knowledge or theory or what's correct or what's incorrect, what really matters at the end of the day when creating is does it sound good to your ear? And if it doesn't, then something needs changed. Right. And all the knowledge does is tells you, okay, I know how to change this because this is what's throwing it off. That's all the musical knowledge does. You know, it just makes it easier for you to understand how to fix it but in the end if it doesn't sound good to your ear it's not good right, right. <laughs> well which is actually leads into the next question that I, I like to ask people do you listen to yourself musically and i mean that is in a fan base more um, more so than a critique factor because everybody listens to themselves as a musician and critiques themselves um, I do both. Sometimes I'll go back to old stuff I've recorded and I'll listen to it. And sometimes I'll go, yeah, I could have done that better. But then I also listen to it. I'm like, hey, that was a killer riff. And that was a killer song. Out. It was fun, you know, and I have to go back on that stuff. It's like, you know, that was a part of my journey. I can't go back and fix it. But can I still enjoy it? If I don't still enjoy it, then obviously I'm not going to listen to it. But there are, you know, a lot of my the old Zeph stuff and a lot of the other projects I've worked with, I can go back and listen to and still enjoy it as a, as a fan, because you have to listen to your own music as a fan and not a critic either. Right. Just because I think so. if you're going to sell music, I'm pretty, you know, wouldn't you want to be in the shoes of your fan? Right. <laughs> and you would, to me, what you would do is you would be like, you know, if you like this, you really enjoy listening to this. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. If you could have played any major concert from days gone past, what would it be? Oh, I'd definitely love to play Vakken. I had the opportunity of going there for the first time um, last year, and seeing over 75,000 people in a crowd is absolutely awe-inspiring. And that's on my list, too. So <laughs> I've actually, I was planning on trying to go this year, but missed out on the tickets and they're sold out. So, Oh, it's, you can find it if you, people are always trying to sell their tickets. So you just, gotta, especially in the gotta know where to look. Yeah. Do you have a favorite city or venue or both that you like to play? Um, well, Zeph right now, we do enjoy playing Cincinnati. We loved playing Atlanta and it's another good one. We did. We loved playing in Kansas city and Wisconsin. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin was another great place we enjoyed playing. I've heard Wisconsin shows are pretty good. Yeah. You know, Chicago's a hit or miss. I've played Chicago shows that are god-awful, and then I've played Chicago shows that are absolutely amazing. It just depends on who you're playing with and what's happening around Chicago that evening. Right. So we've got Madison, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Atlanta, and a hit or miss Chicago. Do you have a favorite <laughs> venue? That you've ever played yeah. in? It doesn't have to necessarily be with Zephaniah. I mean, you said you were on tour. Yeah, I've played, I've played a lot of venues, and there's not really a favorite venue. There's venues that treat you better. I just, right. there's some, they all kind of end up together 
and like, oh, it's just a place to express yourself. So if the venue is a bad venue or a good venue, it's like it really doesn't matter as long as the people around you are having fun. It's like if the ceiling's falling in, but it's the best crowd in the world. Um, that's my favorite venue. <laughs> right, because it's so it, it's all subjective at that point. Yeah, it all depends on the people the, you're playing for and the night that's going on. I can dig that. Yep. That's that's Absolutely. that's a very good very good answer to that question. With that, you know, if the if the the ceiling's falling in, but it's such a super cool show. I always like to ask this question. You're a musician. I'm a musician. Most of the listeners seem to be musicians as well, which is cool too. So do you have a spinal tap moment? Oh man. I don't even know anymore. There's, <laughs> there's so many, so many things where you like walk on stage and forget to turn on your battery pack and your wireless system. And you're like, Oh my God. We actually did uh so I was with a, uh, 80s tribute act and we played this show where they had those um the curtains where you could bring uh bring uh things down so we tied our guitars to these uh curtain these giant stage curtains and so we stay we stood there and they would drop them down and we all put them we all got them on so it looked super cool people were really impressed by it they loved it because it was so cheesy and stupid (laughs) and then one guy couldn't get his guitar off the line so I had to sit there, and he had to play like half of the first song right there. That's pretty hilarious, you know. Oh. Yeah, that's probably the biggest <laughs> that's, spinal tap that's, moment I that's remember. That's exactly that's that is spinal tap. That that yeah. works. Yeah, he got trapped in a thing. I had to play the whole first song right there. <laughs> Please tell me there's video to this. There might. I have no idea. <laughs> I'd have to go back. It's in the archives from years ago. If there is video of this, I need it. I need it sent to me. I'll, I'll share yeah. it on the Metal Forge Facebook page. Oh, perfect! perfect. <laughs> okay, I'm going to preface this before I ask the questions. Now, uh, I also like to just ask general questions to people because we're all people and we all enjoy the same stuff. It seems like. Do you have a favorite film? Um, you know, I've always loved the Evil Dead movies, and I've really loved Army of Darkness. That's my usual go-to. But I've also loved the Mad Max movies and the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits. and But, you know, that's just where I end up. So you're telling me you like sequels. I like sequels, <laughs> man. Yeah. Do you like Evil Dead? Is it a remake or a sequel? Um, it's the Army of Darkness. It's actually a trilogy. Right. But is Evil Dead 2 a sequel or a remake? That's a sequel. Thank you. Uh that got brought up in another interview where somebody had said, "Oh, it's kind of a remake." Well, yeah, but no, I'm it's a, a diehard. It's a sequel because <laughs> the Ash is he he his character is that stupid that he would go back to the same cabin exactly second time <laughs> exactly. And I heard that from Sam's mouth, so I agree. <laughs> oh, from Sam Raimi? No yes. way. That's great. Yes, he actually says that. Um, watch the commentary. I was like, well, you know, I get that. Ash is a dumbass, and yeah, he's going to go back. He's a not-so-hero, and that's why it's great. Right. Do you have a favorite food? Um, I like anything that's organic, like from farm to fork kind of food, man. Is there a lot of that up there in in Fort Wayne? Um, no. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's in every city. You can get farm-to-fork stuff. Right. Right off there. So that's the kind of stuff I really enjoy because it tastes better and you feel better after you eat it all. Right. Well, the reason why I ask if there's a lot of it up there because I know in, like, Chicago there is a big uh, farm-to-table movement. Yeah, and you get it you, you get it in all the cities. You know, I've been, I've been in podunk towns as in, think of, like, Henderson, North Carolina, and there is this looking for places to eat and we're just like hey what's this this looks like a farm to fork and it was the greatest thing and they were complaining that no one there that lived in that little town really came out to enjoy the good stuff that they put on their menu they would just get the same you know chicken tenders or something i was like oh man it's too too bad buddy (laughs) yeah that that is one of the things you know i'm i'm kind of a foodie and you know because we all eat bar food as musicians so it is nice to get get places like that that are you yeah know. i like i like fresh food right fresh. absolutely do you have a guilty pleasure 
Um, tons. <laughs> What's your musical guilty pleasure first? Oh, there's no such thing. I listen to it all like a like a man should. I've listened to anything. You know, currently in my CD player in my car right now is Nine Inch Nails, and I enjoy Trent Reznor's work just as much as I would like uh, Dream Theater's work. You know, it's just, right. it entertains me and it's full of feel and creativity that excites me. I can understand that for sure. But no like Shania Twain or Taylor Swift or anything? No, <laughs> nothing like that. Because, you know, that stuff's four chords and I'm over it. So right. it's like I'm just there. Eh. On the other side of that, what is the ultimate jam that you have that you listen to? you constantly go back to oh any of the man of war albums the early stuff is just constantly it's so simple but it's so powerful i love it nice so plus that's like that was like one of the first that and power slave by iron maiden oh my gosh absolutely these go back to that and listen to it a thousand times never gets old never so have you ever seen man of war yeah actually i have wow Um, quite a couple yeah three times then when i was at hellfest what this year that was the one they canceled off of i'm sitting there probably the only the only reason you're going and they cancel (laughs) (laughs) i was work i was working i was working for a group and I, i was working for yeah i was working for a group and you know before we had to leave i'm sitting there watching my pumped up and then they cancel that morning, hear it from the production manager mouth himself. I'm like, uh and so but you it's, know it's seeing that it would have been great to see them with a full orchestra and it was just like, Oh, they canceled their headlining spot that everyone bought tickets for. I was oh. dying. <laughs> and it's one of those things where you sit there and you wish, it's like, Well, maybe it's not true but you know that it is. Yeah, and then it makes it makes it feel like you're even more bummed out. I get, I could get that. Yeah. What is your greatest achievement as a musician? Um, I have tons of, I don't even know, just to be able to play and be a professional musician. It's my greatest achievement. To be able to feed my family with, be able to feed my family with being a professional musician. That's my greatest achievement. That's awesome. If heaven or hell exists, what would you like to hear when you, when you show up? Um, to either, to either span my whole record collection all at once. <laughs> I can hear it all at once. Nice. Uh, any shout outs you want to give to anybody? Um, you know, looking forward to the first couple shows we have with our new vocalist and is, we'll be in Indy. We'll be in Cincinnati and we'll be in Fort Wayne and we'll be in Lafayette for these next couple months and, you know, more to come. So, you know, check out our Facebook page and I'm sure you'll post links to all that stuff. Absolutely will. Perfect. Yeah. I I was going to say, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you, but I can post the links and it's all, I'm sure, uh, Facebook, Zephaniah. It's all Zephaniah band, Instagram and stuff. Awesome. But thank you, Mark, man. It's really great interview. I'm going to let you go here and take my lovely lady out that sounds like a plan dude and i hope everyone else i hope you have a happy valentine's day as well oh thank you i appreciate it it's the same to you and your and your lady and you all have a good evening and thank you justin for calling in and we will see you down the road
visit the 21st Amendment Tavern. Located in a Germantown neighborhood at the corner of Burnett and Shelby, 21st Amendment Tavern has great drinks and amazing food from head chef Andrea Estes. Also at the tavern, the Metal Forge Live is featured with doors at 9 and shows at 10 and just 5 bucks. Head on out to 21st Amendment Tavern. Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait.